Good morning, everybody. My name is Dr. Glenn Nagel, and I'm here to present a webinar, Practitioner Calls on Botanicals for Men's Health. So it's an interesting topic, and we will get started. Um, normally, Dr. Farshad is here. Um, she's away, so I'm going to take a stab at doing this. If you have questions, uh, you can chat. And remember the notes and this webinar is being recorded so that you can always watch it again in the future. Um, I like to put a lot of information in my slides, so some of the things I might be going over fairly quickly, but you can always review them later for your own notes. All right, men's health, it's a big issue. Well, this is my question I always say is, uh, James Green wrote a male herbal probably 20 years ago, and his question was, why can't guys call a gynecologist? And he states, why haven't the males of our culture manifested an equivalent cornucopia of techniques and natural wisdom regarding their own specific healthcare treatments like women? Where is the male medicine of folkloric wisdom? And it's a very good question because when you look at men's and women's health as a practitioner over the years, you know, probably 80% of the patients are women or children. And so this idea of how to treat men, well, there's differences between men and men haven't developed their own techniques or at least it's not commonly known. And why is that? Well, this is a joke, but you know, there's some truth to any joke. And this is the idea that both men and women have differences and of course men uh, may not be a subtlety, may not be as aware of things. And so when we're looking at practitioners, we have to think about, you know, what is the male condition? We have issues that are different than women's issues. Typically in our society today, you know, there's a lot of isolation issues and separation. Men tend to have the two sides of the brain. Um, they tend to avoid integration. Men tend to be, you know, in the war machine. They tend to be destroyers, uh, not givers of life. Men have strong senses of ego and a me-first attitude. Men are often focused and direct. They don't want to do subtleties that natural medicine might often bring in. They will just want the real treatments or surgery. And so uh, men also have really the highest of the sexes, the highest addiction rates, the highest suicide rate highest incarceration rates, military enrollment rates, the highest crime rates. You know, some men have a lot of issues that you have to understand. This is a little outside the scope of this talk, but it's important to understand um, men have the higher causes of death than women. Cancer, unintentional injuries, heart disease, stroke, respiratory diabetes, influenza, suicide. You know, this is 2004, the dates updated, they're going to be even higher. But heart disease, cancer, injuries are one of the biggest causes of death in men. This is the joke, men working things out in their own way. Men are figuring things out. So when we think of herbal medicine and the use of herbs for men, one of the things we have to believe in, uh, I like that Dr. Drum, one of my mentors, said that most male patients are self-medicating with various herbal products already. He believes that there's a strong physiological 
uh, masking effect that can happen for therapeutic herbs, meaning what we're taking agents, addictive agents that dilute a man's basic body metabolism and sense of well-being. And this might explain why men um, may not get positive effect from gentle tonic herbs. Their bodies are not sensitive enough to, due to deliberate chronic desensitization in an effort to tolerate basically an unpleasant life reality. And so we see uh, of addiction, men have higher rates and many of these masking herbs, these are things you often find uh, men in an intake we ask about. And this is the idea that uh, are they stimulating with caffeine or coffee or caffeine related products? Uh, tobacco is well known as an issue for health. Uh, men are the biggest smokers. Um, but things we haven't thought of, things like hops, you know, it's in beer, it's a hormone modulator, it actually. Uh, it's pro-estrogenic. Uh, you know, the trend with beers is hoppier and hoppier, like the IPAs. Men drink a lot of those, has issues. Cayenne, a lot of men addicted to stimulating, burning foods. Um, cayenne can be a great addition to herbal formulas, but when it's so hot, as in some of, the, some of those hot sauces, it blocks or numbs your sense of taste, and it just becomes an experience. Cannabis, which is now, you know, being a huge legal issue, but also has addictive issues for certain personalities. And then we have illegal drugs like cocaine and heroin and meth. Again, well-known men have highest addiction rates. And then things like sugar. Some say one of the most addictive substances out there is sugar. So. And so these masking herbs can reduce the tonic effect. And if they get healthy enough, they may actually replace the addictive herbs with other herbs in an addictive way. And so it leads to this concept of, I want more ginseng or just give me a double dose of kava. And this is this idea that replacing um, addictive herbs with tonic herbs, but taking them in addictive doses. And so when we look at men, you know, the idea is to get them nourished, is get them uh, diet and lifestyle treatment ideas. In practice, I remember talking to many men about, well, we don't actually, this one man I had said, I don't actually cook anything. You know, he, he just ate, ate out or ate foods that are prepackaged. And so, you know, there's no reason some of the best chefs in the world are men. And getting them in the kitchens and getting them to nourish their bodies, getting them to do diet and lifestyle. That's the underlying issue. That's the challenge. We'll get into the specifics. So as this man on a date says, look, I can't promise I'll change, but I can promise I'll pretend to change. I hear you laughing out there. So there are treatment guidelines for men. And you know, this is just my own thoughts on it. Um, you know, focus on the underlying issues you know, appeal to the high sense of good. What are the motivating factors? Creating priorities, list of like, well, what will good health do for you and your quality of life? Then focus on self-care and put in place treatments, underlying stress management, nutri nutrient management, and then the herbal therapies can work better. Using mild, uh, and the radical lifestyle changes can be one of the 
better places to start. So avoiding heroic herbal medicine for men and really working on the model that women's healthcare medicine has done in the wise woman tradition of really bringing tonic herbs over time with lifestyle and diet changes. That's one of the best plans. Um, Dr. Drum also taught me this concept that you are the product of your behavior and your environment. And so on some le level, genetics also being involved, uh, you know, we can stimulate genes to turn on with diet and lifestyle. And so we're self-regulating. And so giving the opportunity, we can change, we will change, but it has to be supportive environment. Some would say that practitioners, you know, men may respond better than male practitioners. Uh, some would respond well to female practitioners. So it's really one of those guidelines that every man has to make for himself. But I know, know as a man in practice of, of naturopathic medicine that I would see definitely more men than my um, naturopathic wife who was seeing a lot more women. So what are the most common conditions we wanna look for in men? Um, low sex drive or uh, erectile dysfunction comes up. Probably the most common as people age over the age of 50, prostate issues with um, benign prost prostatic hypertrophy, the enlargement, prostatitis, prostate cancer, epididymitis, uh, various uh, stromatocils, hydrocils, kidney stones, infertility in men is getting to be a very big issue, and hernias. You can go on, but that's some of the things that might bring you male patients into your office and also, you know, issues around pain. Uh, kidney stones, of course, is very, very painful. The doctor says to the dog, heal. So let's start with benign prostatic hyperplasia or hypertrophy, you know, common. 50% of men have symptoms over the age of 50, or they have, this, have the problem, 33 have symptoms. And as you get older, it's almost 90% of men over the age of 70. And so some of the symptoms, uh, you know, the idea that uh, men sit on their worries while they're working things out. So the inactivity, um, constipation might be one of the things, and uh, the chair, you know, the idea of the sitting, I know in my household, we just got one of these new uh, stools that um, keeps your core strong. And when you look at the stool, it's basically a wobbly stool. And so the idea that you can't relax and sit, you have to always maintain your balance is the strength, that kind of thing. But we look at these chairs and what do we immediately think? We think of it as lazy boy, right? There's no lazy girl chairs, they're just lazy boy. And so this idea of activity and movement is really important. We also have the theory about androgens, excessive testosterone moving to dihydrotestosterone, which causes inflammation and swelling of the prostate. Excessive androgen, I mean, uh, estrogen theory, that aromatase stimulates estrogen into DT, DHT, causes prostate growth. Alpha adrenergic stimulates smooth muscles, contraction of prostate causing symptoms and structural and mechanical, you know, the pressure, sitting, swelling. I think another theory is environmental toxins uh, that tend to get stored in the prostate and estrogenic mimicking agents in the environment. 
um, so many theories, but how do we tend to help people? And so, you know, the first stage with mild and some of the symptoms, uh, if you're not aware of them, is uh, uh, frequent urination, urgency with urination, getting up in the night to pee one or more times, having a swollen prostate. That's why prostate exams for men over 50 are really important. And it also screens for prostate cancer. I mean, there's blood tests we can talk about too, but you know, in the first stages, you might just have symptoms and mild enlargement. And so this is the idea of movement, exercise. Uh, you know, the constipation is one of those things I think is a big underlying issue. If you think of constipation, it's like if you're sitting, you got to remember that the, the bowel and the prostate are right next to each other. And so if you're sitting, you're basically, if there's stool in the lower colon, it's pushing against the prostate. And so one of the things that I think is really important is to make sure that the bowels are moving once or twice a day. And, uh, you know, that's a complicated issue to change people's lifelong constipation. A gentle laxative herb and fiber herbs can be really, really helpful because uh, that might be one of the reasons that saw pimento works so helpful is that it does have components, the saponins that cause the stools to move. And then, you know, sexuality, every man loves to hear ejaculation to tolerance, but the idea if you don't use it, you can lose it. Those are some of the guidelines. The second stage where we have moderate symptoms over 50 with a history for two to three years is um, weight loss. I like the blood type diet, but you know, getting them on the right kind of diet, issues around um, addiction or other traumas in men's life. Um, then we talk about nettle and saw pimento. Milk thistle, we'll go into a little bit more specifics about the individual herbs. And third is men over 65 with uh, severe treatments. Um, this is where the pygium saw pimento, that combination has just stood the test of time. Um, herbal suppositories that can support localized relief. And many people don't think about those but um, some of the suppositories are not as available as they once were, so that's a little bit of a challenge. High levels of zinc, hot and cold sit baths. I remember a patient I had in Montana, lived on a cold Montana stream, you know, just in the morning, getting out there and doing a, a sits bath, which is where you put your, basically, pelvis in cold water. Or another way to do it is cold washcloth at the end of the shower, up in the perineum, between the scrotum and the rectum and hold it there for 30 seconds. And detoxification program. This is one of the best ways that I've seen that overall health can be improved. You know, a solution to pollution is dilution. And so if somebody has uh, storing um, toxins in prostate, if we can flush those out, we can see improvement in men's health. And then after this third stage or combined with the third stage would be also uh, medical treatments, prescription medications that affect, and then surgery, different methods of surgery from the TERP to the newer varia variations of the TERP using um, lasers and using ultrasound, you know, ways to uh, shrink the prostate. They all have a high level of potential interactions, and that's the challenge of like, can we get some good relief with natural treatments? So what are the most common herbs? We're going to talk about some of these, but there's a long list. 
generally what you see with these herbs is endocrine tonic herbs, diuretic herbs, laxative herbs, lymphatic, pelvic lymphatic drainage herbs. Those are kind of the categories that we'd want to see in relation to helping somebody. Uh, saw pimento, nettles, specifically the root of nettles, uh, goldenrod, leaf and flower, pygium, which is the uh, bark of an African prunus tree, willow herb, epilobium, which is uh, very common in North America, although this species is a European species, pipsissua, North American forest plant, chimafla, which is a wonderful urinary tract stimulant antimicrobial, as well as lymphatic and tonifier for um, pelvic congestion. That's one of my favorite. Uh, cleavers, urinary tract, soothing, cooling. Rye pollen shows up in some research. Then we have Rus opuntia, which is cactus. Pomegranate, which is you know historically used from the Middle East, the fruit and the arrows. There's some good research on that. Common actions you want to see is antiproliferants, antispasmodics, diuretics, demulsants, adaptogens, antihormonals, and stimulants for circulation. So that's what you're thinking about when you're trying to put together a really good formula for men. So let's talk about saw pimento. I mean, saw pimento is a, a lot of it comes from northern Florida. It's a swamp weed. Uh, it's a palm. It's coastal. Um, has the green berries that eventually took turn black and the berries when they're ripe are harvested and then extracted, um, capsulated, tinctured. The one thing you want to know about saw pimentos, it's a fatty berry and it has uniquely funkified smell. I mean, I, I would call this one of the worst tasting herbal medicines out there. Almost everybody that takes a form that you can taste will have a negative reaction to it. So that's something to keep in mind. I'm a big liquid extract person, but even I would be cautionary about using self-pimento. One of the things I did in, when I was teaching for years is I would always tell the students, a million dollar idea, use self-pimento in some form that it's edible, and if you can cover up the taste, it's a million dollar idea. And I had students make truffles, they made you know, berry products, and ultimately the end taste is because the saponins in saw pimento linger and they cause a soapy effect on the mouth that's fairly unpleasant. So there's the issue if men are avoiding, you know, taking things because of taste, which is an issue, this may not be your best first line effect if you're gonna use something liquid. The bears are used, typically we think of the 85 to 95% of the lipophilic fatty acids and sterols. So they're called beta-sisterol and carotenes, tannins, sugars. And so it is a lipophilic, meaning either it's a solvent extracted, CO2 extracted, or high alcohol tincture. Typically in the industry we see a CO2 extracted, lipophilic, standardized, soft gel and that's a great product to start with uh, you won't taste it but you can burp it up and it still gives a very unpleasant it has many of the anti-androgenic and anti-exidative effects anti-inflammatory spasmolytic you know the urinary frequency can be from spasm spasm 
and of course it has saponins which are naturally laxative. They stimulate the movement of bowels. It's well supported and been studied, also been shown to be helpful for uh, male pattern baldness. It's actually a baldness cure. Um, it was originally found uh, farmers would feed supplemented to pigs and increase their fertility. It's also used for women for breast growth, enhanced breast growth. It's also was typically used for underweight and depleted. So that's a tonic. We don't see that much anymore. Pharmacology is mostly through this model. Sulfamethyl is a, a mild 5-alpha reductase inhibitor. Alpha reductase uh, blocks if you inhibit that, then you keep testosterone from going into the more inflammatory dihydrotestosterone. It's also laxative and antispasmodic. So this has been pretty well understood. King's Dispensary, which is the old eclectic physicians, talked about it with uh, relaxed parts with copious catarrhal discharges, lack of development, wasting of the testes and the ovaries and the mammaes, prostatic irritation, dribbling of urine, particularly in the aged, tenderness of the glands. And so you can see it has a very broad uh, effect. Sopimento drug interactions, not so much known, uh, very little negative. Does not interfere with PSA tests, which has been an issue. Seems like it could work synergistically with some of the alpha blockers and uh, drugs like finasteride. Um, here's a study that showed fatty acids and phytosterols in commercial saw pimento, and their findings said that it may be the best choice for people who want to have concentrated is this 85%. Here's a study that was a little bit more um, negative. So uh, there's studies that will show you both information, but this is a review of 27 trials, and they basically said that uh, with nocturia and size of the prostate, there was no difference between baseline and um, the group that took saw pimento. So the data is somewhat mixed, but there's still, in practice, I've seen it to be one of the most effective. Oh, this question is, it may have an effect on lowering testosterone. So basic idea is give it for short-term periods, like you know, two to three months, then take a break, try to do underlying issues like the cleansing, detox, other things. Um, it's also been used for women to support hormones and is commonly found in supplements to enhance breast enlargement, whether it actually works or not, whether it's safe, that would be a, a kind of a question. I think of it universally given to men. Caution would be with pregnancy and women. Uh, there's a lot of databases out there looking at some of the um, likely safe. This is a natural med database. Supplemental comes up with pygium and beta-sisterol as being one of the most common. Dosing, typically 160 milligrams to 320 milligrams of a standardized 85 to 90% fatty acid product. Liquid, again, if you could try to go that way, Tinctures are going to be a really challenge for 90% of people unless you can find a way. The only way that I found that really helps is to cut it with citrus. 
So meaning take the tincture, then bite into an orange right afterwards. That tends to cleanse the palate of the saponins. Something's not right. Our air is clean, our water is pure. We get plenty of exercise, yet everything we eat is organic and free range, yet nobody lives past 30. Well, it's true. Acute diseases, stresses, we're kind of the opposite. So what about nettles? Well, nettles is an amazing diffusive energy. And this idea of nettle leaf, stem, and the root kind of has the idea of, I like to think that the leaf is for above the belt and the root is for below the belt, just like the roots grow under the ground. The upper leaf and stem have long history as a tonic, an alterative, anti-allergenic, and the root's very specific for prostate. So um, the root is a diuretic, it's anti-inflammatory, it's anti-prostatic enlargement. And the root in places like, this is a little plant growing, but in places like Oregon where I live, the roots grow all year round because we don't have snow and they can be harvested in the winter even though the little plants may still be um, slowly growing. The roots are harvested. They've contained high amounts of phytosterols and lignans, and there's a specific lectin in there called UDA, urtica diotica agglutinin, which is interesting from the food blood uh, diet system. Lectins are important, um, but it's really the phytosterols that seem to have a strong effect. That's the main effect. The taste is fairly mild. It can be taken as a liquid. Um, doesn't have a really fatty, soapy taste. It has demonstrated aromatase conversion blocking in com combination with pygium. And um, some people say it helps stimulate free testosterone. So it's been used in libido issues that are common with enlarged prostate issues. Anti-inflammatory may work with cytokines. Nettle root is really powerful stuff. My experience has been that, um, you know, you have to take enough of it. And so typically, I might have used it in capsules, 500 milligrams, you know, maybe up to six capsules a day. You look at some of the studies, um, the UDA has been shown to block epidermal growth factor, which can cause enlargements. Lignans seem to affect sex binding globulin. So lots of inter interesting dose, you know, one to six grams a day. So six grams would be 12, 500 milligram capsules. That's quite a high dose, but you can always bring it down. Typically, if you would say there's a magic three herbs, it would be pygium, saw pimento, and nettle root. All of those have had good clinical results. I have to warn you, I don't exactly have a bladder of steel, says Superman. That's an issue you can have when you have prostate enlargement. The willow herb, I have some experience with this, but this is really made popular by the Australian herbalist, Maria Treben, and she talked about it very specific as the flowering herb for enlarged prostate. She says it's a weak in, in, inhibitor of 5-alpha reductase. It's related to a fireweed, I mean, epilobium um, angustifolium is fireweed, which is, you know, Alaska to West Coast. It's a very common herb. So some of the herbalists use that um, also. And the signature is this 
long seed pod kind of looks like the ureter passing through the prostate and the little flower on the end. Here's one of my favorite, Chimophila, Chimophila, Pipsisua. It's uh, called Winter Love is what the name Chimophila means. It's an evergreen, Ericaceae family, shade-loving plant with little pink flowers and evergreen leaves through the North America. We find it here uh, on the, up in Mount Hood and the higher Cascades. It loves the shade. And so it's a kind of a cousin to Uva Ursi. So if you think of Uva Ursi as a sun, harsh, dry soil, more potent, Antimicrobial Pipsisua is a milder version. Here's the range throughout the west, mostly higher mountains. You can see the little flower. It has arbutin, which is um, phenolic-glycoside, which is antibacterial, antiseptic. But it also has chemophilin, uh, immune-modulating. It has caffeic acid, which is found as a lot of anti-inflammatories. It's milder in tannins than Uva Ursi, so it's useful long-term. One of Ursi's thing is it's good for short-term treatments, prostatitis, urinary tract infections. Um, Long-term, this is a much better. It also has methyl salicylate in it, which would be a pain. And some say that's why it was originally used in Pepsi. That's where the name Pepsiswa, supposedly they stole the Pepsi name from there. I'd say, I guess I would call it Pepsi, but... Um, this is from Dr. Duke's database. So it's very interesting pharmacologically. We think about this as a long-term tonic for the urinary tract and for hormonal health. I like to use the word pelvic decongestant because it works on fluids as well as, well as urinary tract um, congestion. So here they talk about it, congealed fluids such as pus, catarrh, and sediments in the urine and it works upon lymphatic glandular system to remove stagnant lymph and swollen glands. It acts particularly strong upon the prostate and those which combine the systems. So Dr. Um, Matt Wood, one of his indications. So I think it's a great herb. I think it's pretty abundant and it can be used. Specific indications was flushing of the cheeks, heat, blood, inflammation, bladder, prostate, and it was also used for um, tumors in the breast and emaciation. So it's definitely an herb that's useful. It's not just for men, but I really like Pepsiswa. Mostly it's available as a liquid extract. Keys, it's a little, like I said, more alterative and lymphatic than Uva Ursi. Has a long history, even in homeopathic, for sharp pains of the breasts and for prostatitis and BPH. So think of it as breaking up lymphatic congestion, moving fluids. What about our friend goldenrod? Well, you know, goldenrod is a weed. Of course, you gotta remember a weed is a plant whose virtues we do not know yet about. It's throughout the whole US. It's often blamed for seasonal allergies, especially late summer. The parts we wanna use are the aerial parts so I usually take the top five to six inches with the plant in bloom, and maybe a few leaves. Um, typically, it's very aromatic. So if you find a local species, almost every area has local species. You want to have some type of aromatic flavor. 
as well as if you chew on the leaves, it has quite a bit of numbing effect and reminds me very much of echinacea. Although the chemistry is somewhat um, complicated, we know that it has saponins in it, has phenolic glycosides, and I think it has butyl acetylenes like echinacea, although some of the data is not clear on that. We know it's a strong anti-inflammatory and antimicrobial. And so this is one really helpful where there's a lot of inflammation, where there may be other issues systemically and even allergies. So if somebody has enlarged prostate and allergies, I would think of goldenrod first. And it's strong in the bioflavonoids, flavonoids. And so flavonoids are modulating cell membranes to be less inflammatory. And so that's one of the key things you want to think about. Typically, uh, irritate the, the, the indications of irritation of urinary tract with inflammation. The tinctures can work or capsules. There's a couple of studies about patients with urinary tract infections. And this is very helpful. So this would be good for somebody that has, it's not as common with men to have urinary tract infections with prostitutes, uh, infected prostitutes, um, but it can happen. And so this might be the herb to think about in relation to that. Just for benign swelling, it's maybe good in combination with other herbs. I like the goldenrod and the pipsissua combination because I think they kind of, drain and uh, anti-inflame. Uh, this one can actually be done as a tea, so a base tea, uh, tinctures. It's commonly found in tinctures uh, in combination with other plants, like I said, as well as um, tea because it's pleasant and a lot of the components like flavonoids are mostly water-soluble. Um, it's not as common in capsules or tablets, but it can be found. Uh, there is a common concern about allergies to goldenrod. If somebody knows they have a goldenrod allergy, just be caution. Use small doses in the begin with. The prickly pear, Ompuntia. Um, there's two kinds. Well, there's many kinds, 250 species. But when we're looking at the plant, we're typically thinking of the fruit, these little colored fruit. They're full of pigments. And they are not anti are anti they are antioxidants, but they're they're betalanes, which is found in the beet family. And there's also the pad called the tuna, um, which are typically eaten in Hispanic and Mexican culture foods, which are uh, kind of slimy. You got to take off the thorns. So typically, there's thorns also on the fruit. Research on Apuntia flowers show that it's um, clinically helpful in relation to prostatic enlargement. Here's a study that showed that, um, you know, up to 80% of people had improvement in voiding and feeling less full. And of course, the pomegranate. I think of this as an amazing uh, Middle Eastern remedy. And if you look at that picture, it's filled with wonderful red seeds. Pomegranate seasons usually about this time of year. You can find, you know, many, you know, like for a dollar or less. Um, remember to eat them. You want to eat the seeds as well as the juice. I've seen the juice be helpful, but the seeds I think are more helpful. 
the juices are one of the most pleasant things you can and, um, get people to take. And you can buy, you know, the Palm Wonderful and other juices like that. And, you know, four to six ounces of juice a day can really help prostatic enlargement. I would say eating one to two of the small fruits would also be useful. They're full of antioxidants and polyphenols, but they also have elagic and elagitanins and gallotanins, which might have effect on phytosterols. Those are mostly in the seeds. And there is study that says the rind has effects too, but the rinds are super stringent, so it's hard to get people to take. But typically when you see a standardized capsulated product that's standardized for elagitanins, and typically it's the whole plant used, I mean the whole seed, uh, flower, not the flower, but the uh, fruit, with the seeds and the coat. Well, it was original. Putting a lot of jokes in here because, hey, you know, guy's brain. So now we're getting to the final, what everybody wants to know. <laughs> Male impotency and infertility. Two things men will never admit to. And best strategy is removing the obstacle to cure, which is oftentimes between the years, not stimulating. So we started out the picture of the slide of the men, mannequins taking ginseng, and you think, you know, how many times in practice you've seen the youngest men taking the highest dose of ginseng, inherently trying to turn on the switch. And so typically, I think of it in relation to health. If you're not feeling well, sexuality is the first thing to go. If you're just unwell all the time, you're not in a state to reproduce or even feel like trying to reproduce. And so tonifying and nourishing and removing the obstacle versus giving heroic herbs. So here's the joke about men's brain versus women's brain. Although the, again, to be fair, it can switch the other way. But if you look, loss of libido has many, many issues. You know, our society is oversexed. We have exposure, libido issues with the environmental toxins. And I think this leads to male fertility is at an all time low. If you look at studies on sperm count in young, supposedly healthy men, we see the numbers getting lower and lower. And so infertilities in couples, I think infertility is described as a couple trying to conceive after a year, they have no child, then you have to work up both the woman and the man. And so typically in a practice model, the woman might go see her OBGYN and the men might see a male practitioner and you know you can work up issues for fertility. But these are some of the issues that are behind libido um, decrease and male infertility. So one of my personal favorites a lot of people don't know about is sea buckthorn. I worked with a company, we developed a product about sea buckthorn, hippophagramnoides. Um, the fruit is just an incredible source. It means the shining horse. Uh, fruit has powerful, powerful tonifying effects. It's native to the uh, Mongolian highlands. And Genghis Khan, created the empire, might have been related to his use of hippophay. His soldiers and horses both ate the berries, the seeds, which are in the berries, and the leaves. And it was supposedly to give them extraordinary sexual prowess. And of course, Genghis Khan was supposedly had fathered over 600 children or something like that. 
So it's, it's a kind of an amazing story. It's kind of caught the natural food industry. And so it's in the Oler Easter family. Sorry, I couldn't get that out. Um, it's native to some of our native berries. And here's a fruit. It's very tart. It's not very sweet. It's full of juice. And it's also full of oil. So you'll see this. Um, it's a landscape plant in, in temperate climates. And uh, has beautiful silver leaves and these beautiful orange berries. And when they're abundant, there are so, so many berries, the whole plant looks orange. It also has really strong thorns, very sharp thorns. So it's kind of bugaboo to harvest if you have a plant. Um, and the taste is very oily. It, it's something that um, makes well. Here's a picture. You can just see the amount of berries on that are amazing. So one of the ways to harvest it, if you have a local plant, is you just clip off these branches and freeze them. And once they're frozen, you can knock the fruit off very easily. That's also a great tip for elderberry because elderberry is very hard to pick. This one's very hard to pick because all the thorns, and when you pick the little fruit, they pop open and the juice runs all over your hand. And so uh, it's kind of an anti-everything from the antioxidants. And I think this is part of its benefit for male fertility. It's such a powerful anti-inflammatory and antioxidant. It also has immune modulating, hepatoprotective. There's a lot of research on its effect on preventing radiation sickness and exposure to radiation and as a sexual rejuvenator. I think if you think of adding, eating this berry and you know, adding a little bit of protein, you'd have a complete diet because it pretty much is a vitamin mineral wonder plant, especially in relation to the carotenoid content which gives it the orange color. And here's a thing that shows the different fatty acids. This one's unique that it's very high in omega-7 fatty acids, which uh, we haven't thought a lot about, but now they're coming in popular. It's also high in palmitic pal pal and palmolytic, so omega oils somewhat, but really much more um, less in the omega-3s and much more in the omega-7s. So that has to do with skin health. So you see it in a lot of formulas for skin. The fruit seed oil is bright orange. The seed oil is kind of muted orange-red. And a lot of times they are combined together. This is a close-up, really amazing. Um, you can get it in a drink. You can get it in capsules, freeze-dried. Um, really no safety concerns, and it's a strong antioxidant. So it has been used. Oh, here's a picture of me collecting it out in an Oregon field. You can see we just loaded it into a truck, put it in a freezer, and then knocked the berries off. This is a famous Swiss product called Exativa. I believe it's still available in the U.S., but this was a combination of green oats, the Swiss famous green oats. Green oats mean... Uh, oat seeds before they're ripe, uh, sea buckthorn fruit, and nettles. I think it was nettles root, but I'm not clear on that. There's a lot of clinical studies, enhanced libido, desire, and increasing free testosterone levels. I don't know the exact formula, but if you wanted to make something similar to this in a practice, I think you could easily put together these. I would just put them together in equal parts, and I think that would be a pretty good workaround.
Another one that has lots of press and it's very helpful is Detribulus. Um, this is a pointed attack on male and female infertility. You can see these little seeds. Um, it's a little plant that grows in a field like this, it grows as a mat. We used to have it in Colorado and it's claim to fame, this would be a driveway, is it pops your bike tires. Because the seeds are so sharp, they work their way through the rubber and pop, pop the, the inner tube. So it's super uh, sharp to jump on. Has um, steroidal glycosides, including this one, which is the one that has the most studies on, protodiosin. And so uh, it's a form of beta sisterol. And so these uh, concentration of these saponins, leaf and fruit. And so it's also a Chinese remedy and it's definitely stimulates um, male libido, it stimulates um, testosterone levels in men. Also, it can affect hormone levels, as well as insulin, blood sugar lowering effect. Many of the clinical studies are from Bulgarian researchers using a 45% standardized protodiocin. So this is the one that more likely gonna be a standardized extract imported than it's gonna be a tincture or a tea. It also works for female infertility and menopause support. Here's a clinical study, male and female infertility, combines well with ginseng, withania, which also ashwagandha is really popular now. 250 milligrams of standardized concentrate, 10 grams of dried herb, containing 100 milligrams of the saponins, calculated as protodiocin. 100 milligrams three times a day. So 250, 300 milligrams of standardized extract. So I just said, this is the little picture. I think of it as a pointed attack on infertility, low libido, men and women. Maca, probably not a, a, a better remedy that tastes great. It's in the crucifixere uh, family. Um, it grows from the high Andes. And the root, many different colors, is dried and typically ground, it can be tinctured. What's great about this is it tastes really mild. It has such a mild taste. It can be placed in food and smoothies. So getting maca smoothies, it's a great way to get it in the diet. Putting it on oatmeal, another great way. It's basically a food that has endocrine hormonal adaptogenic effects. So you gotta think of it, it's like a radish. It's spicy, it has maca sides. And so highly nutritious, considered to promote mental, physical vitality, endurance, and stamina. It's well known as an aphrodisiac tonic enhancing sexual desires, especially increased fertility in males and females. So maca is probably more food-like, tribulus is more um, medical-like, but those two are probably are a one-two punch. A lot of research on maca, you can take a look at this. Another traditional eclectic medical doctor remedies is oats. We talked about the green oats and um, the Swiss formula. This is green oats or wild oats, although most of the stuff grown is just commercial oats harvested early. These little seeds that you would crush and make oatmeal. When they're green, unripe, if you squeeze them, they form a liquid white, white latex. That is the specific kinds that were used. You know, there's a lot of mythology on sowing your oats. 
used for feeling your oats. Basically, that statement means getting sexual vigor and energy. And it seems to be a trope restorative for adrenal tonic and sex tonic. The eclectic physicians really loved it for too much fun. They call it a specific nerve tonic stimulant, antispasmodic for nervous disorders with exhaustion, cardiac weakness, nervous stability, convalescence. King described the plant as a nerve tonic stimulant antispasmodic considered it to be the most important restoratives for exhausted conditions depending on nervous exhaustion. So this is basically a modern remedy because if you think about our patients, the stress, anxiety, um, basically nervous exhaustion, this would go well with convalescence, which is, doesn't have much press, but the idea of rest, rest, getting sleep, nourishing your body, and this was always considered the honeymoon remedy because like basically exhausting your nerve force in the sexual system from too much of a good thing leaves people depleted. It's a tonic herb. It can be taken in many forms. I think of it like upregulating the nervous system, kind of like upgrading the RAM in a computer. You know, ability to carry more of the signal, ability to carry more of a nervous energy. And some people feel it's a really important um, adrenal remedy. Green oats seem to have the best. And gotta remember, oats has three remedies. Oatmeal, great ton tonic food, convalescent food, demulcent, nourishing. Oat straw, which is super high in minerals, uh, a vinegar extract, a strong decocted tea would be great. And then the green oats, this is our adrenal nervous tropo restorative. And so, all of those can come from the same plant. It's an amazing thing, oats. Other more potent, or I wouldn't say more potent, but maybe less well-known or less um, studied is Yohimbi. That's definitely a drug. Um, it works, it can give people side effects. It can also stimulate hypertension um, because it's alkaloidal base. Damiana, that is mostly a South American remedy. It's always been, in my experience, hard to find high quality. Uh, it's a, mostly an aromatic spell, a smell that comes out. Ginkgo works with circulation. Panax works in tonifying the endocrine system, and that's mostly useful for low libido in the aged. Nettle root we talked about. Mira Puma is a South American wood that has some good research. It's just I'm a little bit always curious about sourcing and sustainability. We're going to end here with a little bit of a case. 63-year-old male I saw had low energy fatigue in the morning, urinary frequency, incontinence, wakes up at night with restless. He also has bipolar disorder. He's on um, Lamictal, which is a bipolar med. He's eating quickly. He's single. He's on the go a lot. He's taking general supplements. He's uh, in recovery for alcohol. And he's actually a Buddhist, so he has a really great spiritual life. He was a blood type A. We decided to um, focus more on the vegetarian diet, eliminate dairy and meats, uh, give him more water, and we gave him a tonic tea with nettle leaf, solidago, avena, green seed, which can get dried, but it's green when it's harvested, and licorice root for flavor. 
Again, licorice root's not a problem with blood pressure, only in high amounts. So I'm using it in the last ingredient, 10% or less, as taste. It's a sweet modifier. It's also a harmonizer. You get improved energy as the urination was slightly improved. As prostate exam showed marked enlargement, bogginess, loss of the central sulcus. He was traveling to Mexico. He was worried about his symptoms, so he decided to go and up his treatment plan using a saw pimental pygium nettle root extract that was commercially available. Commonly, you also find that with pumpkin seed oil. Uh, if I can get it without the pumpkin seed oil, I like that because I'm always worried about the oil going rancid. And you know, as the supplements age, as somebody sits them on them shelves and don't take them, these other things don't um, go bad very quickly. I also uh, gave him CalCarb 30C for his restlessness at night because he was very stressed out and that was really helpful. So he saw a 70% improvement in the prostate frequency. He had increased libido. He had a new girlfriend, which probably doesn't hurt. Uh, he had decreased urination at night. That's an important thing. If you have to get up frequently at night, it disrupts your sleep. And sleep, of course, is foundational to good health. His stress was much decreased. And so we had a long-term goal, uh, replace the um, formula with more tonic and adaptogen herbs. So I think of those um, prostate herbs as you know, two to three months, then lower the dose, see how they can do without them, then maybe replace them by more adaptogenic herbs. Uh, Withania is my current favorite, but uh, you can also look at things like reishi and astragalus, holy basil, things like that. Um, this is my contacts, herbalwiseguy at outlook.com. Generally, I'm doing these webinars every month for wise women. And wise woman has put this slide in here. If you want to use this promotion code, you will get a discount off your second bottle. Buy one, get 50% off. So that's a good, good deal using BOGO19. And so, boy, we covered a lot in the hour. We have about seven minutes left. I will um, pull this up here. I will ask if anybody has any questions. Let me see if I can pull this up. Anybody have a question? I've unmuted everybody. Oh. I guess you're going to only unmute one person at a time. Uh, send me a little uh, chat if you have a question. Are copies of your slides available? 
Hello? Are copies of your slides available? Um, I've given them to Wise Women, and they're going to make them available on their practitioner website. Excellent. Thank you. All right. <clears throat> I don't have to read my penmanship. Yes, I kind of went through a lot of things, but I think you'll see in the slides of some of the references and some of the material. So uh, I think it was a pretty quick go through. That was a good one. though. Yeah, I think all that stuff is really um, pretty well tested. I mean, I think health, men, men's health and botanical medicine, it's a great combination. My initiary, uh, initial com comments are important to understand like how to just work with men because we're easy what we're easy <laughs> well i hear other things from the women that try to help us <laughs> well thank you all for this webinar and look forward to having future ones i hope so thank you all right.